I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me. Welcome back to the Hackberry House, a podcast devoted to the Word of God and the persecuted church in North Korea. My name is Bob, and this is podcast number 287. It is September 27, 2015. Today, what do you know about North Korea? I want to give you some facts and things that you uh, will help deepen your appreciation for what's going on over there, help you to pray, in fact. But let me see what you know on the surface about North Korea. Let's try a 10-question pop quiz. What do you think? Number one, what's the capital and largest city of North Korea? Got that one? Yeah? That is Pyongyang, a major city whose population roughly matches Chicago's, without the suburbs, about 3 million. Okay, what's the currency of North Korea? Is it a hard currency or soft? Well, the North Korean won different from the won of South Korea by far. In 2007, when I had this information before me, one dollar was uh, about two North Korean won, whereas that same dollar would fetch about 950 South Korean. It's a virtuously, virtually worthless or soft currency on the world's markets. Number three, about how many people live there in about how many square miles? You know that one? How many people? Well, it's over 20 million. Some say 22, 23, used to be 24, 25, and they've got about 47,000 square miles. That's a density of a nearly 500 persons for every square mile. For comparisons, stateside, North Korea has about the same population as Texas, but in the area of Ohio. Okay, what's its official name? The official name is the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. Of course, it's not a democracy. Power is concentrated in a very few, some say one, at the top. It doesn't belong to the people. They have virtually no say in how the thing is run. As far as republic, the definition of republic includes the right to choose leaders and representation by all the people in the government, and so it's not a republic. (laughs) You have to concede that it is Korea, uh, but a Korea that's been made over in the image of one family abandoning much that has traditionally been Korea. So, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, not exactly. And what three, who is the eternal president, number five? Well, not the present leader, uh, Kim Jong-un, nor was it his dad, Kim Jong-il. It was Kim Il-sung who is the eternal one in their thinking. He is dead, but here North Korea has once more been liberal with their definition of terms as to leadership and eternal. Uh, What three nations border North Korea? Right, China, Russia, and South Korea. The history of that peninsula is a fascinating one, involving encroachments on the power structure of various peoples living there. China, Russia, and of course Japan have been no end of trouble to this small but surviving people of Korea. Number seven, what's the total GDP? How much money per year and per person? Well, the total is $40 billion. That sounds like a lot, but it's 85th in the list of GDPs worldwide. Each person receives about $1,800 a year. That's 149th on the list. 
For comparison, America has a GDP of $12 trillion with an average per capita between $25 and $30,000. How about what nation had occupied all of Korea until its defeat in 1945? That was Japan. And there's still a lot of animosity between the average Korean, north or south, with the Japanese. It's a long story and a painful one. Number nine, which parallel divides the two Koreas? That's the 38th parallel, very famous parallel. There's a no man's land right there, complete with minefields, soldiers ready to start a new war that never really ended, and a building that's half in North Korea and half in South Korea. Some selected few are allowed to take tours of that area. Number 10, what is Juche, North Korea's form of government? Well, Juche, that's the biggest misnomer of all. It's, it means self-reliance. Yet their government's totally dependent on China, South Korea, the United States, tons of Christian ministries for its very existence. Without reliance on other powers around them, this tiny nation would literally be starved out of existence. Well, how'd you do? What's your grade? Most people don't know most of the things that I just mentioned to you. Well, my next article in the book that we're reading called Hackberry House, Volume 1, Two Years with North Korea by yours truly. Next article is Where Have All the Squirrels Gone? This touched my heart as I read this. I'm sure it's going to disturb you a little bit too. Dr. C. Kenneth Kinones and Joseph Tragert wrote a book, oh, maybe around the turn of the millennium, beginning of 2000, that, that you should know about if you're going to get serious about North Korea. North Korea, it's called the Complete Idiot's Guide to Understanding North Korea. Now, I'm not suggesting that any of my listeners are complete or even partial idiots, that's just the name of the book. Canones narrates this tragic personal recollection on page 26 of that book, and I'm quoting now. I was in North Korea in August, September, and October of 1995. Torrential rains in August caused devastating floods. The corn and rice harvests were destroyed. I saw women and children dressed in rags, wandering in the fields, looking for leaves, grass, anything they could eat. For months I never heard birds, nor saw squirrels. They had all been eaten. One frigid day in January 1996, I saw thousands of people ice fishing on the Taedong River and nearby lakes. In July 1996, I visited the zoo in Pyongyang. Most of the animals had starved to death. The few remaining animals, like the elephants and monkeys, were too feeble to stand. Just as severe was the lack of fuel to cook food or heat homes and water for washing. The floods had filled the coal mines, making it impossible to continue mining for the nation's basic fuel for heating. Deforestation had already stripped the hills of wood. Rice straw, a common substitute for wood, had all been burned by midwinter, 1995. By January 1996, smoke coming from chimneys of homes and factories was a rare sight. People appeared in the streets and in the offices at, with dirty clothes and themselves unwashed. 
Only after I had become repeatedly ill did I learn to stop shaking hands, because there was no warm water or soap for washing. Oh, God, please have mercy on this land. They say things are better now, but oh, so many go to bed hungry. God, have mercy on us, too, if we hold back from our neighbor or our brother. Well, how about uh, the Ten Commandments in North Korea? Actually, the Ten Commandments have been replaced. I'm going on to my next article. This is just a a, uh, collage, if you will, of all kinds of aspects of North Korean life. And I'm, I'm trying to... Just make you you people who are loving North Korea to to love her more and to get to know her better by these articles. Some months ago, uh, from 2007 when this was written, I had read Heli Lee's book about her rescue of some family members out of North Korea. It's a book called In the Absence of Sun. I hasten to add that although she has a healthy respect for Jesus because of her harmony, her grandmother, my personal faith resembles that of Harmony more than Haley Lee. I don't condemn, condone, excuse me, the expressed lifestyle of this young Korean American. As you're reading through the book, if you do, uh, you'll see some things that are not very uh, good. But I am captivated by the story and the very many details that she shares of a land that uh, I someday may visit myself. Who knows? In telling the story. She mentions Kim Il-sung's Ten Principles, a not-so-veiled replacement of God's Ten Commandments, created in an attempt to obliterate all things biblical. All ten have to do with Kim Il-sung himself, his ideology, loyalty to him, his authority, his revolutionary thought, his centrality, confidence in him, the passing on of his thoughts, to the next generation. And I read from her book on page 101 and following. The ten principles came with very specific guidelines. For example, principle number three went on to elaborate that Kim Il-sung's portraits, plaster figures, statues, badges containing his pictures, uh, monuments or public notices containing his instructions, Paintings portraying his image must be carefully handled and protected from being spoiled. In 1985, Burundi's ambassador to Beijing checked into the Botongang Hotel in Pyongyang. When he unpacked his bags and saw that his shoes were flattened, he stuffed a sheet of newspaper into them. A bellboy reported this crime to the police because the newspaper contained Kim Il-sung's picture. The ambassador was accused of damaging the dignity of the great leader and nearly caused a diplomatic incident. End of quotes. Well, time and space in this article fail me to record in detail Heli's report of the little three-year-old who caused her parents to be arrested by accidentally urinating on a Kim Il-sung booklet. Well, yeah, let us allow the images of North Korea to disturb us, but only enough to pray 
depression and despair are not the goal of, of my writing or speaking. God will hear. God will rise up. He suffers long for his own purposes, but he is a jealous God, and he will not be mocked forever. Remember Israel in Egypt, 430 years. They were waiting. They were waiting. Canaan was truly a stench in God's nostril, but he waited and waited. But he does arise. He does arise. Is this his time? Perhaps tomorrow it's all over. If you will pray tonight, you don't know. Be a part of the victory that will come to North Korea, most certainly. This next article is the power of education. How serious is our desire for our children to know Jesus and his words? While we are not advocating brainwashing, certainly there's something a Christian could learn from the North Korea experience about child-rearing. Speaking of the original Kim dictatorship, Bradley Martin says in his detailed treatise on the Kim dynasty called Under the Loving Care of the Fatherly Leader, quote, as soon as you're born, you're received by a nursery. Then you're led through a flowery gate to an 11-year education. Indeed, officials told me mothers were entitled to 77 days of maternity leave before turning their babies over to public day nurseries, or in some cases, full-time nurseries. Home education has an important meaning in a society where private ownership of the means of production is predominant. That's what Kim Il-sung said in a 1968 speech. But it has no important meaning in a different socialist society. Hmm. The state, I'm still quoting, taking over much of the parental role had been training youngsters to worship Kim. Our great leader is the supreme leader of revolution, its heart and the only center, said one official policy statement. We have to inculcate in our future generations the absolute authority of the leader, the indisputable thoughts and instructions of the leader, so that they may accept them as faith and the law of the land. School books portrayed Kim in his heroic roles. Their illustrations were drawings in the style of children's biblical literature. Some pictured Kim's exploits, whether real or imagined, as a child and as a young guerrilla commander. Others depicted a mature Kim, sometimes surrounded by children in tableau, reminiscent of the Sunday school pictures that illustrate the words of Jesus, Suffer the little children to come to me. The training and peer pressure that reinforced such images had intensified over the years. And so the young people I met struck me as more fanatical than North Koreans aged 40 or older, whose indoctrination had not been as thoroughgoing. End of quote. So much to think about in that. In that piece, the, the elder Kim truly was attempting to replace the Christ that he had heard about growing up in his parents' church. The power of education. Are we not following the communist model when we give our children over to state-run programs and schools just after birth? Can we complain about the product of so many years of indoctrination? What are American schools giving its children 
that has greater worth than what Kim gives? Are Christian parents devoted to having the life and word and way of our dear leader inculcated in their young ones? Some questions I leave with you this time around. God bless you for being with me today. It's always better when you're there. This podcast will not be coming to you every day. Uh, as a fact, matter of fact, this this week, Saturday, we will begin our first um, drawback. We're going to make it at least a six-day thing now. It may become less uh, for reasons that I don't need to get into right now. But for one thing, on Saturday, the Spurgeon um, recording that I do is already on Sermon Audio on another website. In fact, on two different websites. And so I'm going to encourage you, when you are get this appetite for Charles Spurgeon, and many, many people do, you just go right here to Sermon Audio to their homepage, not mine, but to the homepage of Sermon Audio and look under Speaker Selection, and, and you'll find Charles Spurgeon there. And many of the sermons that are there, I have recorded. Mine are under Stillwater Revival Books there. Um, you'll see you'll, you'll see some of mine on there too that I've recorded recently but from now on I won't be duplicating what I do at Stillwater Revival Books I'll just be sending it over there and then you can go directly there and I won't be putting it here on Hackberry House did you get that? I'll say it again some other time well tomorrow we're going back to my feature study of this coming week a study on locusts in the Bible but it's not about those insects folks it's about Bible prophecy, things that are coming into our world and in one sense may already be here. I want you to know about it. Don't forget where we started today, though. Psalm 7, verse 1. O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me. Amen.